Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, I have a guest with me, Rick Olderman. Rick is an orthopedic physical therapist and an author. Hi, Rick. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm great. Beautiful day. It is. And thank you so much for joining me on A Teaspoon of Healing. Thank you for having me. So you are, again, an orthopedic physical therapist, and it looks like you have many years of experience helping people who are experiencing chronic pain. And that's such a huge issue um, that affects it so is. people. It is. And you know, I didn't start off in physical therapy thinking that I would be specializing in chronic pain. That's just the way it turned out, just because there's so much chronic pain that's unresolved. So mm-hmm. can't escape it. And you help people experience a pain-free life and, you know, trying to get them away from medications. I know that a lot, there's a lot of medications that are prescribed and I know people obviously need them sometimes when you're in a lot of pain, you want to relieve it, but it looks like you, you do what you are doing is helping people get free from pain naturally without even surgery. Oh, sure. Yeah. And hopefully eliminate all those medications too. Mm -hmm. So what's a kind of a typical patient that you will see in in your practice? Well, uh, I, I had a practice for about 10 years. I sold that last year. Okay. Oh, (laughs) so (laughs) my practice now is online practice, but uh, a typical patient for me, uh, was, you know, I would see the more difficult patients, the, you know, chronic back, sciatic, migraines, neck pain, any, any, any area of the body that had, you know, difficulty was what I would see. So, um, yeah, anything from head to toe. (laughs) And so you sold your practice and now you're doing your practice online, which is wonderful. You can do it anywhere. That sounds wonderful. And so how can people eliminate pain? Naturally. Yeah. The, the, the first thing to understand is that we are the ones creating our pain. So our body's natural state is to be pain-free. And if you think about it, Don, you know, if you cut your thumb or your skin, that heals. If you break a bone, it mends. So we have all the processes in our bodies to heal really fr- pretty significant trauma to our bodies. So if, if we have chronic pain, it's really an indicator that something, there's an obstacle occurring that's keeping these processes from resolving that problem. And so that's the first thing is to understand that really the secrets to those obstacles can be found in the very activities that cause you the most pain. That's your body's way of teaching you and trying to show you that we need to resolve this movement here or this behavior somehow, because this is the thing that's caused, that's really irritating me. And so you've, you've, you know, you got to figure this one out. And so that's what pain is a useful teacher. And unfortunately, you know, we're taught to try to avoid pain, you know, uh, douse it with medications or fix it with surgeries and so forth, but it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Like a, like a really persistent teacher trying to teach you your lesson. 
and solve this problem. And that's its role. So it's helping you actually solve a problem. And like you said, it's, it's a persistent teacher. And so when you're working with people, it looks like you have a, a series of books that help people that have been injured or have chronic pain, and it's called the fixing you method. So could you describe to us what that is? Yeah, sure. So uh, what I, I wrote this series of books uh, many years ago, and uh, the reason I wrote the books was because I was taking one of the people I based my information off of is Dr. Shirley Sarman out of Washington University in St. Louis. She's a researcher, PhD, brilliant, has written textbooks, tons of research, all sorts of things. And I took all of her courses and it, it really significant, significantly helped me solve chronic pain. It's one of, hers is one of the pillars I, I work from to solve chronic pain. Anyway, I made friends with a PT during, throughout all of these courses and training. And, I, and we both happened to finish at the same time. And I, I went to him and I said, hey, man, how's this, uh, how's this information working for you? And he shrugged his shoulders. He's, he's just like, eh. And I said, what do you mean? This is really solving chronic pain. He said, yeah, but you know, I'm a manual therapist, so maybe I'll use this for a home program or something. And so that's when I realized that we as practitioners are filtering information that could potentially be benefiting our patients through our belief systems. And so all of this person's patients were not receiving the benefit of fixing movement and movement habits and so forth, biomechanics to solve their pain because they believed that they should, they should manipulate a joint or, or, you know, do deep tissue work or something like that with their hands to solve pain. And so they rejected this. And this happens all over the place in medicine and not only in medicine, but any other profession too. law, you know, politics, uh, you know, any profession you can think of, there are belief systems with the people who are, you know, responsible for those that are, they are filtering out the information needed to really help more people. Yes, I definitely find that. And in medicine, I'm sure that there, there's a lot of that. Um, even through my experience, just, you know, in nutrition and training to be a dietitian, which I'm almost done in my career change. And yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But it's, and, you know, I have kind of a, I want to kind of work with an integrative approach because I have some training in that as well, but, you know, to, to be a registered dietitian, but I just, I do find what, I definitely agree with you with what you're saying as far as within the medical model, because dietitians are trained under the medical model. There's definitely belief systems that yeah. it filters out a lot of other information and even some new research sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking of research, this is one of the things. So, you know, the reason, so when I first graduated as a PT and, and started working in a clinic, I was, you know, very successful with acute problems, strains, tears, breaks, th post-surgery, things like that. Any kind of chronic pain issue, I was not very, it was hit or miss whether I could help them. Mm -hmm. And through this understanding that I've gained over these last 25 years, is that a lot of this is based on our training because we are trained in school to be able to test and identify specific tissues that are damaged. And then we yeah. treat those tissues to solve that tissue damage, right? And we're right. really good at, at doing that, like I said, with acute issues. But that's not what 
what chronic pain is. Chronic pain is more of a systems problem. And so I think of the training as component thinking. We're breaking the body into components and treating those little components to solve pain. But what I've learned since then is that really what we need is a systems thinking approach. Mm -hmm. We need to understand how everything works from head to toe and affects each other. And that's what I've been figuring out for the past 25 years. That's what the Fixing You books that I wrote many years ago uh, helps people with. And since then, I've, I've you know, owned my own clinic for about 10 years, and I've trained a lot of therapists and seen a lot of tons of patients. And I, I've created uh, something more streamlined than my books, which are downloadable home programs to help people solve their pain from head to toe. And those can be found at rickolderman.com. But really what I've learned, Don, is that For instance, the same pattern of problems that might be causing you back pain might cause someone else sciatic pain and another person SI joint pain and another person hip joint pain. But it's all the same pattern of problems. It's just manifesting differently in your body versus someone else based on your genetics, your work history, your exercise history, your injury history you know, what you do during the day, your recreational activities, all sorts of things cause pain, these patterns to be manifested in different ways in different people. And that's really interesting. So one, the same type of pain can cause one person to have back pain, one person to have pain in a different part of their body. And so it's something to do with their makeup or like the, the entire system and how it's responding to that pain. Well, it's, it's the same type of problem. So the, what I've learned is that there are patterns of dysfunction that are occurring in people. And we can go more deeply into what those patterns are, how they're occurring, all that kind of stuff if you want. But basically, there are common patterns of, of problems that are happening in people. And so, that, yes, they're manifesting in different people in different ways because of, you know, we're all unique. We're all snowflakes. No one has had your history Mm-hmm. Uh, and so your body will hold that dysfunction in a different way than the person next door because their life has been different than yours. And by the way, I mean, this, I mean, you're, you're training to become a registered dietitian. So uh, this includes, you know, trauma from, or stress to your body from dietary intake, like gluten intolerance, mm-hmm. molds, allergens that causes an inflammatory response in people that also occurs along these certain patterns of dysfunction. And the same goes for emotional trauma, psychological trauma, spiritual trauma, anything like that. That creates tension in the body too. And this tension also tends to occur in these patterns of dysfunction in the body. So we have really, I've I've kind of had this overriding theory. I call it the, it's a pillar theory. There are three pillars of issues that basically cause us pain. And one is musculoskeletal issues, which is what I specialize in. One is dietary issues, which is what you're specializing in. And the other are psychological or emotional issues. And so uh, we all have a critical threshold above which we experience pain. And sometimes what pushes us up to that threshold is just a musculoskeletal issue. But sometimes it's musculoskeletal and a dietary. And sometimes it's all three or, you know, just emotional issues. And that's why if you look on, go to a bookstore and you see millions of books on pain, they, they span this, these basic three pillars. They all span a dietary approach, a psychological approach, and or a musculoskeletal approach. 
that's basically how pain is occurring in our bodies. That's really interesting. So you had mentioned the patterns of dysfunction and would you mind, we can talk a little bit deeper about that if you don't mind. Oh, sure. So Dr. Shirley Sarman identified three uh, patterns of dysfunction that cause almost all back pain. And I used her information. I had great success, but at some point I needed more and because more and more difficult patients were knocking on my door. And that's when I discovered Thomas Meyer's work in anatomy trains. And he uh, studies fascia. He's a fascial research and fascia is connective tissue in the body that connects all tissues to all tissues. And uh, he discovered that there are super highways of fascia, basically, that run from the head to our toe. And then uh, then his information helped me help this next layer of people. But then the next layer started showing up. And these people seem to have a battery inside their bodies that was supercharging these patterns of dysfunction. And no matter how much I broke up these patterns of dysfunction, they would keep coming back again and again. So there was a neurological base of, of issues going on here. And that's when I discovered Thomas Hanna's work. And he studied uh, uh, reflex patterns and neurological aspects of chronic pain. Well, guess what, Don? All three researchers in all three in three completely different areas of research all discovered the same three patterns of dysfunction causing almost all of our pain. And so when I last took Thomas Hanna's uh, seminars, and I saw that he had identified the same three patterns as these other two researchers. They're just describing them and calling them different things, but they're really the same patterns. Then I just had a huge explosion in my brain. <laughs> and I said, oh my God, this is it. And so uh, I've synthesized all of this information over these years. And my contribution to it has been really, all these people have identified these patterns, but they haven't talked about why the patterns are occurring. You know, what we are doing on a daily basis that's causing these patterns to occur. And that's what I've been delving into these past 20 plus years. So that's that's really what my method is, is fixing mechanics that then cause tighter, weak muscles that cause strain to tissues. And then fixing those mechanics are really fixing our daily habits. And I can describe what, you know, a daily habit. We can I can take your listeners through, for instance, a back pain example if, if they sure. want to. Would you like to try that? Okay. Yes. This one's really easy. So back pain is one of the most common problems in the U.S. and around the world for that matter. And I believe it's mo- the most common problem because it's the most commonly misunderstood problem. <laughs> and so here's a little test for everyone to find out, to understand what I'm talking about. So I would like everyone just to lie down on the floor with your legs straight. If you can't get down on the floor, then lie down on your couch, lie down on your bed, but lie down with your legs straight. And I want you to take your hand and I want you to kind of slide underneath your low back and you're going to feel the degree of arch in your low back and how much space is between your low back and your, and the floor. So get a sense for how comfortable your back is in this position. And now what I'd like you to do is bend your knees so your feet are flat on the floor. And if you don't feel a change in your back discomfort yet, then hug your knees to your chest and see if that feels better for you. All right, so one of these two positions, either knees bent or legs straight, feels better for the back. 99% of the people listening to this podcast right now will say, oh yeah, my back feels a lot better when my knees are bent. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and they'll reach underneath their back and say, oh yeah, because my back's flatter. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's only part of the answer though. So the second part of this test is that we're gonna ask everyone now to stand up. 
and listen to this podcast for the next five minutes. And within a minute or two, what most people will notice if they're, if they're not doing it already is that their knees are locked in a straight position or locked backwards. Okay. Now I notice that whether this is happening in you right now, and if it, if it, isn't happening, then make it happen because this is really going to teach you a fundamental concept about your back pain. So lock your knees back and feel that your back is now more arched when your knees are locked back like that. And now just simply unlock your knees and feel what your back just does in response to this. It flattens a little bit and it takes the strain away. And if you're not sure if that's really happening, go ahead and lock the knees one more time and you'll definitely feel that there's more tension in your low back area and more arching when you're locking your knees. So what have we found? We found, first of all, that your back doesn't feel good when it's arched more. It feels better when it's flatter. And then when we found that if you're standing for more than a couple of minutes, you tend to lock your knees in a straight position. This is an energy conservation move. It preserves energy in the body. We get to stand on joints instead of using our muscles. So it makes it easier for us. But what we don't understand is that by locking the knees, it's causing our back to arch more, mm-hmm. which is what hurts our back. So this is an example, a really simple example of how a daily habit of just locking your knees is causing or contributing to your back pain. And the locking of the knees is not only happening when you're standing, it's happening when you're walking too. And so many people I've seen at my clinic, I mean, just if you, if you have back pain, try this recommendation for the next two or three days and you'll feel your back feels much better when your knees are unlocked and you've paid attention to this and breaking this really bad habit. So that's kind of what I've been doing is tracing, chasing all of these habits down that are causing these pat the pattern of dysfunction is the excessive arching of the back. That's one of the three patterns that these three researchers have found. So the thing that's causing that pattern to occur is the behavior of locking the knees when you're standing and walking. Does that make sense? Definitely does. And of course I wasn't able to do this when it's because I'm recording this podcast, but I'm going to do it after. And my pain is more usually towards the neck and the um, upper upper back, but I sometimes do get lower back pain. It's probably the way I'm sitting also at my desk, but I do lock my knees a lot. And I notice that when I'm doing, you know, like weightlifting just with dumbbells, right? And definitely notice, oh gosh, I can't lock the knees. And I've had so many, you know, exercise classes that the instructors will always notice that I'm locking my knees, which is not great, especially if you have any weight bearing, I'm assuming. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, since you brought up the neck issue, uh, we can yes. talk about that. That's sure, a different, that would be great. Yeah. That's a different movement system in the body. So basically I've, I've learned to break down the body into two basic movement systems. One is the lower body and back, and the other is the pelvis and upper body. So a lot of people have chronic neck pain and headaches. And so this is going to, this little bit of information will help. Do you have headaches, Don, by chance or neck pain? I do have neck pain. I feel like it's it's mostly the upper shoulders, I guess those um Yes. the upper shoulders the, and neck and sometimes I would get there was a point last fall that I was getting pretty bad headaches from it and it was kind of shooting pain and that that's got better. I actually had to see a physical therapist and it was mm-hmm. really from overuse of um phone the way I was looking at my phone which we're all doing. So mm-hmm. she gave me some exercises, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say, because mine now it's more in the, it's still in the neck, but it's also, it's the tension in those upper shoulders. 
upper traps and stuff. Yes, right. Exactly. exactly. Okay. So if you if your listeners Google the, the skeleton of the body, they'll see that almost all the bones are these long, thin bones. All right. But there's mm-hmm. two areas of the body that don't have long, thin bones. One is the pelvis, which has broad, flat bones. Mm-hmm. And we all know that the pelvis is the center of function for the lower body system and the back. Mm-hmm. The second is the shoulder blade. It also has broad, flat bones. That is the center of function for the upper body system, neck and head. And so there are significant attachments that run, muscular attachments that run from the shoulder blades into the neck bones and the base of the skull. And so when there's a problem, and and also the shoulder blades have particular rules about how they should be resting and moving. And almost anyone with chronic pain, these shoulder blade rules are being broken which then transmits stress via these muscles from the shoulder blade into the neck and the head. This is where uh, headaches and neck painters are actually coming from. And so one of the most common problems with the shoulder blades is that they're resting too low. And so uh, what you'll find in a lot of yoga class, Pilates, dance, gymnastics, swimming, is that Uh, there's a a lot of cueing that says to bring your shoulder blades down and back into their Mm -hmm. opposite back pockets. You've heard this before. It's almost in in every instructor. However, this is the opposite of correct shoulder blade function. Your shoulder blades should not be involved with posture. That is not their role. The core is the, it's the job of the core muscles to be involved with posture. So by using the shoulder blades to achieve posture, you're not only disrupting the shoulder blade system, but you're turning off the core, which is a major protective element of the spine. So uh, first of all, don't use the shoulder blades. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And so I can take you through a really easy way to correct this fundamental problem. Sure. So put one hand on your chest and the other hand on your belly. All right. Take a deep breath in and you'll feel that the rib cage is lifting. And then when you exhale, you'll feel that the rib cage lowers again. Can you feel that? Yes. Okay. Now take another deep breath in, feel the rib cage lift, exhale again all the way, but this time don't let the rib cage go down all the way. It can go down 99% of the way, but not that last 1%. So you, you might end up holding that rib cage up maybe a 16th of an inch or an eighth of an inch higher than normal. And when you do this, you'll notice that your stomach muscles have just tensed up a little bit. Yes. That is your core holding up your posture. Notice that I didn't ask you to contract your stomach muscles. They contracted all by themselves because that's what their job is. All right. You just needed to hold your chest in a different position than what you've been allowing it to do. And the core will take the rest, take it from there. All right. So it's about a 5% engagement, maybe 10 max, but certainly not a lot. And, you know, trying to uh, uh, get here through contracting your stomach muscles will not be the same thing because you can contract your stomach and bring your chest down and, you know, create all of this tension in your system, but it's not correcting your posture. So the, the idea is to correct your posture first and the core will support that correction. Does that make sense so far? Yes, it does. Okay. Now the second part of this then is to bring your arms down by your sides and roll your shoulders around in a big way to get them to completely relax. They should be like two loose ropes dangling 
by your sides. And what you'll notice is that when you really relax the shoulders, you've just lost your core activation too. Yes, I noticed that. The The reason being is because you've tied your posture to your shoulder blades instead of your core. And so this exercise will start to decouple that connection and instead get your core to do the job while your shoulders are relaxed. And when you can relax your shoulders, you will remove a lot of stress being delivered to your neck and your head. That's great. So there's a combination of both of those exercises that you just walked us through and that yeah. can help. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I don't even consider it an exercise because really it's about relaxing your body and making it work the way it should. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's, I, I don't really see it as an exercise from that yeah. standpoint because yeah, you're exactly. correcting, you're yeah. correcting how you use your body, you know? So. Well, this was great. Thank you so much. I think, you know, both of those techniques for the lower back and the shoulders and neck, upper, upper body will help so many people. Cause it seems like from what you're saying, that's where the bulk of the chronic pain complaints are originating from. Yeah. It's usually low back pain that most okay. people are, are oh, having okay. problems with. And then, um, you know, and then the upper, like I said, the upper neck system yeah. is really caused by the shoulder girdle and rib cage issues. Okay. Yeah. That's just, that's very helpful. Thank you for that. Oh, sure. But is, isn't that simple? Yes, it is. It's very it, simple. It's much simpler than doing a thousand different exercises to correct in, in hopes that something gets corrected, you know? And that's the beauty of understanding how the body works as a system is that you can be very precise and strategic about what you're correcting, which will have huge ripple effects throughout the rest of the body. Just unlocking those knees, I'm telling you, that helps foot, knee, hip, and back issues. Just unlocking the knees. Mm -hmm. Just from unlocking the knees. And so many of us do that just instinctively lock our knees. Exactly. I know I do. I'm going to be more mindful of that now (laughs) after today. One of the things that would prevent you from fixing these issues. Okay. All right. So clasp your fingers together, Dawn, as if you're praying. All right. And now look down and see which thumb is on top. Which one is it for you? Um, It's the right thumb. Okay. Your right thumb is on top. Now don't look down at your hands, but unclasp your fingers and reclasp them again, this time with the opposite thumb on top. Okay. I just did that. That feels a little weird doesn't it? It, do- it does. So, so continue holding your hands like this, because this is an important idea that people need to understand. So right now you've, you've classed them in a different way and there's an alert going on in your brain that says, Hey, something's wrong here, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Something's, something's changed. And I'm not sure if I like this at all. So those are two different messages. One is saying something has changed. And there's another part of your brain that's judging that as something bad. Yes. But your brain doesn't really know whether that something is bad yet or not. It's just setting off alarms that something has changed different than what you've trained it to do for the last few decades. Right? Right. And so changing your habits, like unlocking your knees or changing your posture strategy, 
your brain is going to set off these alarm bells and it's going to say, hey, no, 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 man, this is so different than what you've taught me to do. I, you know, we can't do this, right? But again, <laughs> right. those are two different messages. One is, yeah, this is so different than what we do, than what you've taught me to do. But your brain doesn't yet know that that is what's going to solve your pain. Once it knows that that's going to solve your pain, then the message changes from this is bad to this is awesome. Let's start doing this more. But that's the hard part about changing your movement habits and behaviors is being alert to these messages that are coming to you saying this must be wrong, but your brain doesn't know it's wrong. It just knows that it's different. Does that make sense? It does. It definitely does. And sometimes change in a lot of different areas, you know, when trying to get, you can't get somebody else to change, obviously, but just working with clients or patients that need that have identified it and need to change. There's, there's always a resistance. And so I guess it's the same principle here. Uh, yes. Well, I found viewed as negative when it really isn't, it's just, it's new. Yeah. So, so we, in our, in my clinic, I had a very high, um, rate of compliance. Oh, that's great. Why, why did we have a high rate of compliance? Because we showed people that what we asked them to do eliminated their pain. Mm -hmm. So when someone knows that what you're telling them to do fixes something, there's no pushback anymore. Right. Right. Everyone will embrace the change that you're asking them to do. And so uh, you know, you hear about this in physical therapy. I mean, I can talk to 10 physical therapists and get and 11 of them will say <laughs> how non-compliant their patients are. Right. And, and then the, the problem, though, is that they haven't done a test retest. They haven't done a test. OK, do this movement, which causes your pain. You got it. OK, now try this exercise and then do that movement again. Is your pain better, worse or the same? If it's better, boom, that's your exercise you're going to be doing. That's as easy. It's so easy to do, but we never do this. Right. Right. And so this is why our compliance is so low. But my compliance was through the roof. People loved to do what we were asking them to do because we could prove it. And that's what needs to happen with any change that people are asking others to do is that you need to prove in some way, if you can, that that change will really benefit them and then they'll embrace it. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. So another question I had was for other health practitioners that may see clients or patients that experience pain, uh, besides referring them to someone like you, what, what could they do to help them? Well, this is, uh, so two things. One is uh, I created my home programs, so I, so I wouldn't get so many referrals. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I've created, these are comprehensive programs that solve pain. And so it's, it's cheaper, it's easier, you're in control, you go at your own pace. It's, in my opinion, it's the way to go. And when people do have telehealth visits with me, mm -hmm. almost invariably, I give them exactly what's already in the home programs. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember the last person I had a telehealth visit with that I didn't, I gave them something different. So uh, those, those programs are very, um, very good, I feel. So in terms of practitioners, so from a patient standpoint, that's what I would do is don't bother 
you know, seen me, just get the program and follow along in the recommendations and you will, you will really solve your pain, I believe. So from a practitioner standpoint, though, I believe that everyone from coaches to surgeons should understand how our body works as a system. And there are, there are a lot of myths floating around out there on the internet about pieces of this puzzle. And frankly, they're, they're just not correct. Uh, and it's recycling the same information that's been around for the last 40 years. I, I can't, I, you know, it dumbfounds me that people now are saying the same thing that we said 40 years ago. And it's just as wrong now as it was 40 years ago, mm-hmm. but it's, it's common to, to say these things. So I've created a practitioner's training program for anyone from coaches to surgeons, anyone involved with helping people with pain, training movement in some way or exercise should understand this information. Because frankly, Don, you know, I'm like the last person people will see if they have really bad pain. What if the very first person they saw, their coach or their trainer or yoga instructor, because those are the people that people go to first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if they understood all this? They would have a line out their door fixing right. pain, right? Yeah. So, and then we could, we could, you know, head off chronic pain at its roots. And I, and which is kind of my mission. I don't believe that there should be so much chronic pain in the world. And I believe if we understood these things better that we could nip it in the bud right when it starts to happen. And, you know, people would have so much healthier and happier lives. So I have created a practitioner's program for anyone. Uh, Physical therapists will get CEUs for this, but, you know, you can petition your certified agency for CEUs if, if, if you want that. So uh, anyway, uh, that's, that's my answer to how can other practitioners learn this. Oh, okay. That's great. So you have programs for people who are experiencing chronic pain and also practitioners, coaches, trainers, yoga instructors. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And the thing is, the nice thing is, is I don't believe it's contradictory to anything that anyone already knows. I believe it's, it's complimentary instead. It will only enhance what you're doing. And I'm telling you, we had a waiting list a mile long at our clinic because we were known as the clinic that solved difficult pain. And if, if you as a practitioner can do that, whether, regardless of whether you're a coach, personal trainer, physical therapist, or surgeon, people will be lining up out your door to, to, for your help. And it's easier than you think. It's so much easier than you think. Like unlocking those knees, like changing your posture strategy right? That's not difficult to do. You just have to understand what you're doing. So people can find all of this information on your website. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's rickolderman.com. So it's R-I-C-K-O-L-D-E-R-M-A-N. Yes. And, and then you'll see my downloadable home programs. I've got some free stuff on there too. And then uh, also I've got, Don, a, a new book that's about to be published in a month here, maybe two. Um, and it's called Solving the Pain Puzzle. And I've got free chapters from that book that people can read on my website and they can pre-order the book. One of my goals is to become the first physical therapist on the New York Times bestsellers list. <laughs> well, that so, would be great. Yeah. So if people can order that, that would really help me out. 
because it really chronic pain is, 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 you know, it's so endemic and we, we can solve this. We can really solve this. And I wrote the book to show people how this information can be applied to a whole spectrum of different types of, of cases that I've seen over the years. And really to give them hope that, oh, wow, no one's really ever looked at me like this before. You know, maybe I can solve this because a lot of people have just given up, you know, sadly. Yes, unfortunately. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this information I believe that you've given people and you are giving people a ray of hope, people that are struggling with chronic pain and may have been for years and years. This is uh, some hope for them and it's, it works. So I think it's great. I think keep yeah. it up and I, I think it's great what you're doing. Well, thank you, Don. And, and thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And again, people can go to rickolderman.com and get all this, all these programs, chapters from the new book and more information. Thank you. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost and we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.